What's up, everyone, and welcome in to the Locked on Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for joining me today and making Locked on Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about some players who the Reds may be moving on from this offseason or some some players that the Reds should, at least in my opinion, move on from this offseason. I'll give you three tiers of player or two tiers, sorry, two tiers of players, and the Reds can move on from them and who can step up to replace them. We'll talk about that. Uh, who's going to step up on the team already. We'll talk about that and more. We'll even have a couple of seconds of World Series talk as well right here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get started. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a nice day here locally in Cincinnati, at least for the fall. I know it's a little bit cooler today, but hey, you know, it is what it is now that we're in November. And we've got Game 6 of the World Series going on tonight back in Houston. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, though, because I want to focus on some guys who the Reds could possibly move on from. And these aren't specifically non-tender candidates. I know that that's kind of a hot uh, hot topic when it comes to the offseason, who could be non-tendered. But these are some guys overall who the Reds could move on from, I think, and benefit right away because they have people in system that they can replace them with. And I'm going to start off with two position players who may be hard to move on from, but the Reds should. And unfortunately, the first one is a dude that I'm a huge fan of, a guy that I really wanted to stick with this organization and really wanted him to pan out and to see if he could hit his expectations. Our friend Shogo Akiyama. He's due to make $8 million this year, and I think that the reason it would be difficult to move on from him is that the Reds would probably have to eat a significant portion of that contract, if not all of it, just to trade him away, and then they're probably looking at getting like some single-A guy who's a dart throw of a prospect anyway. There may not be a scenario where that is a reality, but it is something that the Reds should absolutely consider. Look, he's he's a guy that uh, we had high expectations for. We saw what he did in the month of September in 2020, but we also saw what he did all of last season. And other than his glove, which was phenomenal, he's still a very good defender, but $8 million for a defensive replacement is absolutely way too much money. He's clearly not his tenure here in Cincinnati has not lived up to the expectations. And I don't know that the management of the Reds has even any sort of inkling to count on him to be a guy who could reach his potential. So if he's not going to be given the opportunity and the little tiny bit that he does play, we're going to have to pay $8 million for, I think that it's time for the Reds to get serious about moving on from Shogo Akiyama. And before I will tell you who I think can replace him, I'm going to tell you who else they should move on from because I think that they have a guy who can replace this one, replace both of these guys' spots on the roster. Hey, I know, one guy who can replace two. Let me, I'll explain that in a second, though. Because firstly, I want to tell you, Tyler Naquin. I know, that's probably a little bold of me, but I think that the Reds should move on from Tyler Naquin. 
According to SpotTrack, he is due to make $3.5 million in arbitration. And I know the first thing you're going to tell me is, but Jeff, April and August, April and August, April and August, those two months were amazing for him. Yes, I understand. But the rest of the season needs to be considered, as well as his absolutely dismal splits against left-handed pitching. He is one of the biggest problems on this roster, not one of the biggest solutions against lefties, to the point that it makes no sense to play him at all if there is a left-handed pitcher on the mound. And the Reds already have so many left-handed hitters who you could say that about, that why on earth do they want to continue to have another one? Maybe he could work as a platoon option or something like that, but they still, I go back to the idea that they already have plenty of left-handed bats. And for the reasons that I think the Reds should move on from it, if they were to find some way to trade Shogo and either offload all or most of his contract and save the money on Tyler Naquin, that's almost $10 million, maybe $11 million if you do get rid of all of Shogo's contracts. So that could be money that we would hope would get used somewhere else and not just repurpose back into ownership's pockets. And, and, and that's, that's a whole different scenario, but I, I'm looking at a dude on this roster right now that could step in for both of these guys, and that's TJ Friedel. TJ Friedel showed me a very tiny sample size, I will admit, but showed me that he can be a professional dude at the plate and in the field. He got a homer, he got a double, he got nine hits and 31 at bats. But one thing that I really liked, and again, tiny sample size, but with the data that we have, he had 31 at bats. He had two strikeouts and he had four walks. So he had more walks than strikeouts, which is nice to see. It's not something that happens in this day and age, really for too many guys. And you love the athleticism that he showed in the field. I think that TJ Friedel could jump up and take the spot of a Tyler Naquin and, and Shogo, let's be honest with you with as much as we are as little as we saw him there toward the end of the season. I don't think that it's very hard to think that you can replace both Akiyama and Naquin get rid of the money that they are eating up on this contract or on, on the Reds contracts and replace them with a dude who is making a rookie minimum in TJ Friedel. And I think this also opens the opportunity for a smaller checkpoint. It's definitely a small checkpoint. It's not something that I think the Reds need to put a lot of focus on, but it's really going to be something that we talk a lot, uh, talk a lot more about coming into spring training and that's Alejo Lopez. This dude needs to be on the roster next year. He needs to be given playing time. He showed in tiny sample sizes last year that he has the ability to do so. He's a switch hitter with a good glove and a pretty decent contact acumen at the plate, something I want to see a lot more of. So if you get rid of those two roster spots in Naquin and Akiyama, you elevate TJ Friedel to more playing time, and you bring in Alejo Lopez to take that other spot on the roster. All right, I got a couple of pitchers I want to talk about coming up here in this next segment. Before I tell you about that, though, I want to tell you about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag has a new web interface for the start of basketball season and has more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code locked on 
you can receive that. That's locked on for 50% more on your initial deposit. From basketball, football, the World Series, NHL, UFC, and boxing right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season and as we get into 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag is where the game starts. Go there and set up your profile today with the promo code locked on to take advantage of that 50% welcome bonus. Thanks again for making Lockdown Reds your first listen. Hashtag first listen of the day. Uh, coming up, we talked about position, a couple of position players that the Reds can move on from and guys who could take their spots right away in this organization. Let's talk about a couple of pitchers. Two guys, and one of them is a little bit more obvious than the other, uh, and he'll be the second one that we talked about. But this first guy that we're going to talk about... That's the second guy. There we go. Is Amir Garrett. I believe that the Reds should move on from him. Number one, his arbitration number, according to Spot Track, is due to be around $2 million. I've seen some that say 2.1, 2.2, something like that. But it's due to be around $2 million. He went from having the confidence of being the guy in the bullpen to looking completely lost on the mound on a nightly basis. If you watched Amir Garrett pitch from, from pitch to pitch, it looked like he was searching. He was trying not to throw a bad pitch. And part of that was he was getting hit hard on a regular basis. 47% of the time he gave up hard hit contact. That is not good. Especially when you couple that with a 13% walk rate, 13 and a half percent. If, if I'm correct, so you're either walking guys or giving up hard contact. So for every good outing, because there were some good ones, but for every good outing that we saw from Amir Garrett, it was like there's four or five bad outings, like four or five outings where you can point to Amir Garrett as one of the reasons that the Reds lost the game that he pitched in. And then it came down to later on in the season where he was not being pitched in high leverage situations. He would come in when the Reds were already down and then the Reds would be down by more. It was just a situation of a season where everything went wrong for him. And it really never got to a point where you thought he's back. He figured it out. He's going to be all right. I never got to that point with Amir Garrett. And for $2 million, I totally believe you could replace him on the roster with Rivar San Martin, who is going to be on a rookie minimum. Rivar San Martin only pitched twice to end the year, but he pitched out of the starting position at a starting role. But he showed that from the left side of the mound, he's got a lot of poise a lot of confidence. I wonder if Amir Garrett is not a quintessential change of scenery guy, because it feels like coming into 2021, he thought he was going to be the closer and pretty much most people did too. That wasn't just him thinking that, but he was expected to take that spot. And I go back to this thought, something that Lucas Sims said, whenever I asked him just kind of a funny question about, you know, is there a sign seating in the bullpen? Cause I always was curious about that. And Lucas Sims said this, he said, you know, well, and this was back when Iglesias was still here. He said, you know, Rysel Iglesias sits down in his seat and then everybody else kind of falls into line after. I think there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a stigma surrounding that seat, surrounding the seat that Rysel Iglesias got to choose. So whoever is the closer in the Reds bullpen had this thought of, Ooh, I get that seat. Now I got to make sure I keep this seat. 
And Amir Garrett couldn't do that. And Amir Garrett got to the point where you didn't want to see him in a high leverage situation. You didn't want to touch him with a 10 foot pole. If the reds were up by one, two or three runs, something like that. So $2 million seems like a lot to gamble on a comeback for a dude who has seen a hard hit rate go from 32% in 2019 to 41% last or in 2020 and 47% this past season. That just keeps ticking up. And that is not a stat that you want to continue to tick up like it has. Another guy who the Reds could move on from is Jeff Hoffman. Now, he's not going to be making a ton in arbitration. I'm not looking at this as a situation where the Reds could repurpose his money into something else, although he is due a little bit of a raise through arbitration. But I just look at Jeff Hoffman and I say, there's got to be other options in-house, let alone on the open market. But I, I, I look at him and I say, his appearances were just absolutely ragged. They were like a box of chocolates, you know? Jeff Hoffman's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get from appearance to appearance. I mean, he had a nice slider. You can look at his stats on Baseball Savant and break it down. His slider was phenomenal. Everything else wasn't. And in fact, he had a really bad walk rate. He was right there with. I said that Amir Garrett had a 13.5% walk rate. Jeff Hoffman was right there with him at like 13.5%. So I'm done with guys who walk people out of the bullpen. I think that that might be my biggest pet peeve as a Reds fan is when a guy comes out of the bullpen and starts issuing free passes. I don't want to see that. So I don't want to see Jeff Hoffman next year. Move on from him and elevate Dari Moretta. Now, I know that Moretta had some op- er, some opportunities there at the end of the season, and we saw him pitch, and he wasn't perfect. He showed that he has poise. He has a lot of confidence in his fastball, and he has some good stuff. But, of course, he wasn't perfect, but that's fine. I, I believe that Dari Moretta has a much higher ceiling as a reliever for the Reds than Jeff Hoffman does. I think that Jeff Hoffman is replacement level. And I don't think that replacement level really deserves a raise and deserves to be continually counted upon like I'm afraid that the Reds might do. I think they should move on from Jeff Hoffman. I think that they might actually keep him, but they definitely shouldn't. I, I think that Dowry Moretta should get the spot that Jeff Hoffman has, and if not, you know, maybe a little bit more. I, I think that throughout next year, if given consistent chances. I think both Rivar San Martin and Dowry Moretta could become even bigger in the terms of this Reds bullpen, more um, guys who deserve more confidence as the year progresses. I, I think that those are two guys you could count on the more innings they get. And I think that we would see that if they were given the opportunity. All right. Coming up here in a minute, I just want to talk for a few moments about this World Series as we head into Game 6. They are back in Houston, uh, and Houston is just looking to survive, looking to get to the best two words in all of sports, Game 7. We'll see if Game 6 can produce that. That's coming up here in just a minute. Thanks again for making Locked On Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. Uh, tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit more about the roster and some moves that the Reds could make, some guys who could see more playing time, some guys who I think 
uh, not only will bounce back, but maybe even improve their standing this coming season. We, we talked briefly about that when we looked at position groups who were going to get better, but I'll hone specifically on some guys more so. And, and I know that we've talked a couple of days about uh, under the radar type guys. We'll, we'll continue our talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. But before we do that, and, and we'll end today's episode looking at this, it's game six tonight of the World Series. This has been a phenomenal series, not in the sense that every game has been close nail biters, but you just don't know what you're going to get from night to night. It's absolutely fun to tune in and watch and see what's going on because tonight we're going to get a pitching matchup between two dudes who... Well, one dude was bad, and the other guy was just kind of okay. Tonight is Max Freed for the Braves, who got destroyed, absolutely rocked, at Minute Maid Park in Game 2. He gave up six runs in his outing against the Astros, and the Astros cruised to a victory there in Game 2. And then Luis Garcia pitched in Game 3. You remember Game 3 because that was the almost no-hitter. Like, the Braves pitching staff combined to just be phenomenal that day, starting with Ian Anderson. And Luis Garcia pitched for the Astros, and while he only gave up one earned run, it was just a lot of meh for me. Like, I wasn't impressed with what I saw from Luis Garcia. So you got these two dudes who are kind of looking for a bit of a bounce back in Game 6. And we've got our Locked On Insider, Gordon Beckham, today. The video clip didn't work yesterday, but a quick video clip from Gordon Beckham because uh, he thinks that no matter what happens today, the Braves aren't losing three in a row. So, like you said, anybody's game this series has been very hard to predict, at least for me. I, don't, I can't seem to grab, uh, get a grasp on it. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But do you have any predictions for these last two games? How do you think this series is going to end? I, I thought I kind of thought it was going to end tonight. I mean, it just looked, yeah. seemed like the Braves had all the momentum in the world, and they hit that grand slam, and it's like, okay, this is their this is their year. And then the Houston does does what they do. They hit. They they uh, they threw well. I mean, the bullpen was lights out when they came in, so um, pitched a lot lot tonight. And I, I still think that the Braves are just a team that's they're a team of destiny. I don't know. It's just they they've been playing really well. Um, they find a way to bounce back. I just get the sense that they're going to win. I don't know if it's going to be game six or game seven, but I just can't see them losing three in a row. So Mark Gordon Beckham down as uh, thinking that the Braves are going to win either game six or game seven and get the World Series, get their fourth World Series in their franchise's history. I don't know, though. Uh, the, Bra- the Astros are actually favored tonight on the money line, and then you see the over-under is set at 8.5. Again, that's been like the number this World Series, and I've picked the wrong days to tell you to take the over, but I'm going to tell you to take the over tonight. I, I think that this World Series has turned. Most, most of the time you're talking about pitching stabs, you're talking about bullpens that are dominant. I think that this is a World Series, and I've been saying it all along, and, and you know that no-hitter, the, the very close no-hitter notwithstanding, for the most part, it's been about the pitching staff who just doesn't give up a ton of runs. Not the pitching staff that limits the other team and really stops their lineup and really stymies them. That's not been the case. So I look at this and I say, these last two games, Game 6 and if the Astros win, Game 7, both of them are going to be high-scoring. 
So I think that the over at uh, over eight and a half, I think that is something that you should take at betonline.ag. But I think that this is going to be a high scoring game, not something that we're going to look at and say, boy, oh boy, that was a pitcher's duel. Mm, I think this is going to be a barn burner. This is going to be the kind of game that it might take a while to get to the end, but there's going to be a lot of runs scored. And I, I'm going to call it, I don't, I don't know that I'm going to, bet this, but I think the Astros are going to push it to game seven because there's just no two better words in all the sports than game seven. And before we close out today's episode, I wanted to send out some thank yous. And first of all, thank you to listening and, and for uh, taking in the Lockdown Reds podcast. Whether you watch the videos or whether you are listening on your favorite podcasting app, thank you so much. This is my 700th episode for Lockdown Reds. So it, it's awesome just getting to talk Reds and, you know, I hit the record button and there we go. I, I love the Reds, always have, always will. Looking forward to 700 more. A couple of thank yous to send out there. Thank you to James Rapine for uh, handing this off to me and kind of opening things up, getting things going and uh, really being a great uh, lead for me. And then also for David Locke and for Sean Woodley and those guys for kind of leading me through and training me up and teaching me how to be a better podcaster and things like that. So I, I'm, I'm very grateful for everything that I've gotten from this podcast. And I just hope that uh, one day while I'm doing the podcast, we'll actually have a uh, World Series to celebrate. So uh, that's a lot of fun. But again, thank you for listening and make sure that you're subscribed and all that good stuff. And you follow me on Twitter uh, for takes and stuff like that during the off season. But, uh, but yeah, man, 700 is a lot. I'm glad that the computer counts that high because I don't know that I can. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us here today on tomorrow's podcast. Like I mentioned a moment ago, we're going to look at some guys who can improve. And I'm not necessarily talking about the big names. I'm talking about some dudes who deserve more opportunities. I mentioned Alejo Lopez earlier. We'll talk about him and we'll talk about some other guys too. Like maybe Max Schrock. Love Max Schrock. That guy's awesome. We'll talk about that tomorrow, though. Thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast and making us your hashtag first listen of the day. Now go check out Locked On MLB as Sully has you covered for all things World Series. That's Locked On MLB, just like Locked On Reds, wherever you get your podcast. And you know what? It might be the off season, but uh, here at Locked On Reds, we are Locked On Reds every single day. <laughs>